My name is Jason Salomi and this is Perfection, an athlete's perspective. And today I have another special guest, Antonio Kirikiri. He is currently a flanker for the Cornish Pirates in the RFP Championship, uh, former New Zealand schools flanker and All Blacks seventh player. Antonio, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. Good, thank you. Great to be on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm really excited to have you along, man. Um, so you're originally from New Zealand. Um, yep. And I understand playing school rugby in New Zealand is a little bit different than playing school rugby in England. What was it like um, growing up playing over there? Um, rugby is the biggest sport in New Zealand. Um, yeah. And it, it's highly competitive from a very young age. Um, and... Now, looking back, I see rugby as like it's a a lot of children use it to, as their escape or, you know, from different lifestyles and whatnot. And you get all, all walks of life playing rugby at such a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it kind of, I think it brings our country together, brings our people together playing rugby. Um, and it was just, yeah, I, I loved it. I've, I've loved rugby ever since I can remember, so... So you play you play flanker, um, and I play safety in American football. And there are certain crossover skills that we have together. Um, you know, stuff like making tackles, making yeah. a, lot, a lot of quick decisions. Um, so yeah, I'd like to talk to you today about you know tackling, sort of physicality, um, and some of the decision making to sort of compare it to my game. And hopefully, I can learn something from you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, um, I I don't know a hell of a lot. But I know that yeah, the safety is you're the one that uh the quarterbacks looking out for, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're the ones quarterbacks are looking out for, and the receivers are afraid of. So yeah, exactly, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rugby is is such a tough sport, and it's it's so physical. Playing flanker, you're a, you're a ball carrier as well as a tackler. Yeah. How do you embrace physicality when going into a tackle, or is, and is it different from being a ball carrier? Yeah, um, I personally, I love being, I love being the defender, being the tackler, um, and it's probably my most favourite part of the game is that that collision, and it's just a, mm. uh, it, you could almost say it's an ego thing, you know, when someone gets close to you with the ball and you just want to, you know, and within the the confines of the rules, you want to absolutely smash them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I get a real thrill out of that. I think there's nothing sweeter than when you actually you time that hit perfectly and and you get the better of someone else. I think that's one of the life's simple pleasures. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I know it's I enjoy that the physical part of the game, and I've been on the receiving end of some big big tackles as well. It's just the way it goes, and it's it's mm. all it's all part of the sport. Yeah, I mean, one thing that that I, I I'm a little bit like you, I, I love the physical side of it. It's something, I guess, sort of weirdly pleasurable about stopping a man from going where he wants to yeah. go, yeah. Um, using your body. And it's, it's, it's. I don't know if it makes us weird or, or psychotic or, or I, don't, I don't know, but it's just something that I've, I've always enjoyed a bit like you. And when you're a ball carrier, is it sort of a similar thing? Yeah, um, I don't know what it is about me personally but I'm a lot more physical without the ball mm-hmm. um, when I have the ball I tend to be a bit more um, skill based you know, using footwork and then looking for a pass to put other people in space 
um, using the mm. offload and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that's that's sort of my strength as a ball carrier, as opposed to my strength as a defender is is just to be outright physical, and yeah. it's all about timing and also you know where you place your feet and whatnot, which you you'd know being a safety. Mm-hmm. Um, so I yeah yeah and. When you're making tackles, when you're going into tackle, are you thinking about anything? Are you thinking about your mechanics or is it just something you just do? I think it's just something that is over years and years of practicing and training and, um, you know, doing everything I can to get it all right. Um, now I just do it naturally mm-hmm. and I don't think about anything technical. I think more about, man, I just really want to get in a position to just smash this guy <laughs> as hard as I can and, and get <laughs> And then I want to get the ball back and then and then go from there, you know? And I'm always, yeah. you know, that's in, my, in the back of my mind all the time is how can I get that ball back? Yeah. And it starts with the, the physical collision, winning that battle there. Um, there are times where I do, you know, you see certain players coming at you and you know that they've got, um, they've got a different strength. We guys that are downright massive and you've just got to, most of the time it's instinctive. Yeah, that, I mean, it's like you say, sometimes you have to sort of change the way you tackle based on who the ball carrier is. But I guess when you have the mindset that you have and that, that I can say myself having, it's hard not to just think I'm just absolutely lay this guy out um, yeah. if, he, if he gets anywhere near me. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't always go to plan sometimes, but, Absolutely not. but it's, um, I think, I think it's, it's the message of if you come my way, you know, I will hit you. Um, and and I think as well, I don't know if, if it's so much in rugby, but in American football, when there's a massive hit, it is a, a momentum changer, um, you know, because yeah. of the nature of sport, you know, you stop someone and the whistle's blown. Um, how is that in rugby? When you make a big hit, do you feel it in your teammates? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's a, another thing that I try and focus on personally. Um, for example, our last game we played before, before lockdown and COVID hit, um, we were playing a team that we should have technically or comfortably beaten. But mm-hmm. in, you know, halfway through the first half, they were they were ahead and they were they had all the momentum. And then, yeah, I remember their their captain ran it. He ran this line towards me, and he he didn't mm-hmm. see me waiting. He was sort of focused on one of our other players who was coming from a different side, and he didn't see me waiting there. And I. <laughs> I, I I timed it perfectly, and I I did one of those hits where his feet just came out from underneath him. And <laughs> I mean, the guy was fine. He was I didn't hurt him really, but it was just a nice hit. And um, all our my team they started, you know, they got off that. They got some some energy out of that. Yeah. And then the, the next three tackles were just big hits. And next thing you know, we got the ball and we're scoring under their posts. Yeah. So that's massive, man. Like get a big hit like that can just change the energy in, a, in an instant. Yeah. And is that, is that something you, have you always sort of looked to be that sort of guy that is a game changer in that way? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. That's, I mean, if I can get my, my guys up and get them, you know, on that, on that level, you know, you probably know it yourself is when you're, you've got that level of energy where you just feel a bit bulletproof. Yeah. 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 I've, I've been there. That's when, if I can get my team to that level, and even myself, because I'm not always there, but you know, if I get one good hit and I get two good hits, I feel a bit bulletproof. And if I can get myself and my team there by by making those those big uh, collisions, then that's the goal. Mm. And so, you know, you've spoken about 
laying guys out and there's obviously going to be some times when, like you say, it's going to be guys with a mean sidestep, really good in the open field. How do you focus on bringing those sort of guys down? I've had to, I've over my career, even growing up as a kid playing rugby, I've had to change my mentality with those sort of guys and look at what is a win mm-hmm. when you when the, when you're tackling those sort of guys. Um, obviously, a win is is absolutely laying them out, but it's a lot harder <laughs> to do than than a lot of people. So, yeah, what, what's next? A win is just getting him on on the ground with without him making any meters. So. Mm-hmm. Um, tackle selection comes into play there. Um, I might just try to stay up upright a little bit so I've got better lateral movement um, yeah. and I can change with them. And I, I do, I spend a lot of time practicing with those guys because I've had a, a tough time tackling those guys throughout the years. Mm. Um, I played um, on the international seven circuit few years back and I played against South Africa in a quarterfinal and they had um, some really good guys, probably the best in the game. Yeah, and they absolutely, I got stuck in the middle of the field for about five minutes and they scored three tries on me. They just <laughs> yeah. So ever since that moment, I was like, man, I'm not going to get embarrassed like that again. So I, I practice a lot of that, you know, the lateral movement when, you, when you're approaching the tackle and stuff. So there's a lot yeah. of preparation that goes into it and then you, you have a bit more confidence when you're out there. Yeah. In in American football, we we have a, a concept when it comes to tackling called near hip, near shoulder. So it's sort of you focus on getting your closest hip, shoulder to their closest hip. Yeah, yeah. And, sure. and, and getting your head out of the tackle and sort of trying to roll a bit. Uh, that's kind of something that we've we've stolen from you guys a little bit, but it, it's a really good technique, and I, I find it helps me. Yeah, I mean you got you got some pretty good sidesteppers in that sport as well. I mean, oh yeah, <laughs> some of the the guys their feet and then their their uh, like their their pace out of the blocks once they make that step is unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah. you have to be pretty good there. Definitely, man. Um, so when you're playing flanker, you know, like you say, you like to offload offensively. When it comes to decision making, how do you improve that? Is that something that just comes with practice? Is that something that you come from watching game film? How how do you work in decision making? Yeah, so it usually starts with um seeing you know your film from your games and and trainings and stuff so i'll probably after i play a game i'll, I'll watch that game about maybe 10 12 times wow through. just um it's all clips so we can see everything that we've done yep personally and um i i'll watch it maybe 10 12 times and i'll look at the scenarios where i maybe i didn't make a good decision or i could have made a better decision Mm-hmm. And then I'll try to recreate that scenario at a training. Um, you know, maybe we'll, we'll finish team training and I'll, I might grab three or four guys and just say, can you come over here for five minutes? Let's, let's run through a couple of these. That is amazing. I mean, so so you're literally, as soon as the game is done, you're watching it 10, 12 times the same, for example, on a coach back or playing back or is that over the next few days? Yeah, that's that's within, I mean, that's over the next few days. Um mm-hmm. I usually watch it. Sometimes, if we play an away game, we have a we we might um, have a five six hour bus trip back to Cornwall. So, yeah. While I'm sitting on the bus, I'll just watch the game, um, and then go home, have a sleep, wake up, watch another couple of times, and then over the course of three or four days, I might watch it. You know, mm. a dozen times, um, or just or my my actions a dozen times. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you when you're watching that. 
are you specifically watching only for mistakes or do you watch the, the good stuff as well? Uh, watching everything, man, like I do. I'm, I'm a big believer in um, celebrating the, the good things as well. So mm-hmm. um, while I do go through with a, a fine-tooth comb looking for areas that I can be better, I'm also, um, I'm also looking for the things that I did really well and, mm-hmm. um, and things that other people did well around me you know um and i'll i'm always one to pass that that good feedback on to someone if they've done something well i like to you know let them know that they've they've done it well and yeah doing that sort of thing so yeah that's that's awesome and so in that way you kind of take a bit of a a leadership role sometimes trying to bring your teammates up with you and saying oh you did this well yeah and it goes the other way as well like uh, i I will call up guys that could have done things better mm. in certain instances, but I'll I'll never say like, man, you should have done this. I'll, I'll kind of leave it in their court. I'll say like, what do you reckon about this? Like, maybe we could have done this a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the way that you approach that is also uh, people can get offended or you know feel attacked. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an art to it, I think. Yeah, yeah. You give them the good and the bad, I think. Yeah, definitely. And you know, so it's also about, I think, being a good teammate. Um, yeah. You know, I think because we both play team sports, it's so important to have a cohesive locker room and everyone getting on. I remember um, one of the things that one my, one my old team, the London Blitz, took on board was the um, stuff we saw from the All Blacks, where uh, I think one of the coaches was saying that. The All Blacks sweep the change rooms after they're done. Um, yeah, and that—that that is, I mean, you know, even at the amateur level and in most sports, that doesn't really happen. But it's—it's it's something about just having respect for each other, respect for the staff, respect for your team, and kind of brings the whole team together. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, man, that's that's a really big thing back home, and the All Blacks are—they're uh, really good for that kind of that kind of thing. Um, you could be the the highest paid player, or you could be the kit man or you know you could yeah. be you could be someone who's not directly involved with rugby and and you know not making as much money as anyone else but mm-hmm. he's still an equal part of that team um and i've, I've always been a, a firm believer in that and you know you, you kind of pick up after yourself don't expect anyone else to do stuff for you just be a good bloke really yeah yeah is that something was that missing when you got to Cornwall? Is, is the culture a little bit different or was it always already there? No, nah, it was already here, man. Because oh, awesome. uh, Cornwall is, the, the Cornish Pirates, they don't have a, like the facilities and access to um, a lot of resources that other professional environments have. Mm-hmm. So they, I believe down here they've got, a, they've got an edge to them because they, they're really successful with the with not as much as what everyone else has got, you know, they, I think they do more with less. Um, and they're really like humble people. Um, they, they look after each other. They do all the little things. So no, they, they had a really good culture when I came down here and I was, I was quite happy. You can just slot in and yeah. And be a part of it. That's, that's awesome, man. There's, there's something, you know, I've been, been a part of a few teams, uh, a few different levels and there's something about having, that great culture that just makes it so much easier to play and so much easier to train. Just knowing that the people you're playing chain with have your back and you have their back and it's, it's a really nice sort of family atmosphere. 
Yeah, 100%, man. I'm, it, I can't imagine being, not being in a, in a team like that now. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, you see, you see a few things, you know, a few athletes in, in different sports have trouble with that sometimes. It might be someone divisive in the locker room or you know, a divisive yeah. coach. It is, I've never really been a part of it per se, but it does look like something that can really kind of throw you off. Yeah, I've I've heard stories of um you know from from teammates or from some from my some of my friends playing in other teams and they they've spoken quite badly about their teammates and their team culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I'm fortunately never had to be a part of that, but okay. and hopefully I never do. So yeah, 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 definitely. I, I hope so too, man. Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit about um sort of off season training because. Rugby is a little bit different from American football. Obviously, we use, you know, uh, anaerobic system, so we're, we're sprinting all the time. So we don't have to train aerobically as much as you guys do. But yeah. I, I, I genuinely could not imagine the kind of training you have to do because you guys have to do the stuff we do and you have to be as fit as a, a marathon runner. How do you make sure you cover all the bases in the off-season? Yeah, that, that's a tough one. Um, like you say, we have to cover a lot of bases as an athlete and in saying that we're, we're never going to be super high at one you know you get a lot of american football players who are super explosive and and rapid yeah um, and but we so we're never going to be super explosive and rapid as as american football players we just have to have a general base mm-hmm. um i spend a lot of my time in the off season i was because I'm not a I'm not a huge guy for a for a flanker. I'm six two, and at the moment I'm just under a hundred kgs. Um, so mm. I struggle with my weight. I'm, I could I could be playing. I should be playing around 105 kgs, and I sit naturally around 99 kgs. So I spend my time in the off season trying to put that weight back on. Yeah, that's tough, man. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm naturally fit. I've I've always kind of been naturally fit, so I kind of take the the fitness side of things as as it comes, and I just put my head down and go for it. Um, yeah, and it does come, and it's I've, as I've gotten older, I've kind of realised that it it doesn't last forever. The the pain, you know, <laughs> you just you just put your head down, you do the work, and then it's over, and you'll notice the the results uh, before long. But yeah, yeah. I do spend most of my time trying to put weight back on. Trying to is that is that something that you've always struggled with um, throughout your playing career? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, I'm like I said, for a flanker, I'm not the biggest guy, and I I feel comfortable playing at 102 kgs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still at that, at that weight. I'm still um, quick enough and agile enough. Um, but I'm. I'd love to play at like 105 kgs and just see how my collisions go there because oh mate yeah every kg counts as I'm sure you know when yeah, when it comes to collision you'd be flattening guys I remember I so I, I usually play around sort of 92 I don't really need to be much bigger than that um, yeah but I've I've played with guys that are um, in in the same position as me and are playing 100 kilograms and I've seen them absolutely kill guys I just think. Yeah, it might it must be it must be kind of nice. I mean, I couldn't. I don't think I could play 100 kg, but you know, I'm only I'm only just about six feet. But yeah, that is that is that's a lot of weight. And so I, I was doing a bit of research into a rugby off season. Um, I think this was an England off season. I think it was this was 
I believe it was Joe Marlow. He was talking about they swim a lot in the off season. Um, and he was saying that they did do about 20 lengths in, 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 in a warm up and then they'll go lift some weights and they'll go do some skills position, skill stuff and then come back and swim again. Have you ever looked in swimming? Nah, not really, man. Um, I've, I've never actually been a part of any teams that have done a whole lot of swimming. Mm. Um, and I think I'll, I'll probably get caught out if we ever do have to start swimming, man. I, can't, <laughs> I don't know if I can swim 20 links. <laughs> yeah, I've got, no, um, I've got no chance doing that. One of the um, one of the more interesting ones I did for a preseason, we did a lot of um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Oh, wow. Okay. As, as conditioning. So, um, you know, every team runs and you get that, that could have, kind of uh, aerobic base yeah. and then when you come to playing it's a whole different kettle of fish um, because you've got that, that wrestling aspect um, and, and you can tire out easily so one year we did um, I was playing for the Blues back in New Zealand and we did a lot of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu mm-hmm. so we're doing about you know half an hour of just straight wrestling and it's just you had no energy left and you had to keep going and that was, that was one of my more challenging ones actually yeah and did you did it did it translate to your game did it help you a lot yeah well you just notice the difference when you come into the when you come into playing again and and you're wrestling with guys and and that sort of collision fitness Mm. um it was just a lot it was a lot better than it would have been had we not done the the, all the wrestling stuff so plus i mean they threw in a few technique pointers and whatnot which doesn't doesn't hurt to know yeah I, i think that there's there is a um a bit of a movement in American football. I've seen a few things in a few different accounts now, now and then where they're trying to introduce more like wrestling and, and sort of tumbling stuff into, into off-season work because yeah, it, it is something, it's, it's, it's strange. It's, it's something that there's so much contact in, in both of our sports. You kind of almost neglect it sometimes. Yeah. It, it, is, it is the main thing. If, you know, in every contact sport, you do notice the guys that can hit the hardest and that never miss tackles. And they're the guys that usually end up getting paid loads of money. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, quickly on, on contact as well. There's obviously now nowadays a lot of research into you know concussions and you know stuff like you know CTE. Have you ever thought about sort of your long term health playing high level rugby? Yeah, I have. Um... I mean, I haven't been too bad with concussion and that sort of thing. I've had, throughout my career, I've probably had maybe two or three times where I've been um, concussed. Yeah. It sounds like a lot, but actually, I think maybe the last one was probably like five years ago. Yeah. um, I have recently, last about a year ago, I had surgery on my neck Mm. and um, I've had... Uh, pretty bad issues with my neck and around my nerves going through my left arm and I almost lost the all use of my left arm so wow there, there was that that I thought about you know I was like is it worth it if I lose my left arm but um, I had the surgery and it, it's come back to probably about 90% of where it would have been um, so I I did think about it I have had thoughts about my future health and mm whatnot but nothing has um scared me off just yet not not even not even almost using the left arm if that doesn't scare you, <laughs> that doesn't scare you off then i don't think anything will man <laughs> <laughs> not yet not yet 
Um, yeah, I mean, I remember I, I've not had any, I say, diagnosed concussions, but like, you know, you know, when like you yeah. are absolutely scrambled. And yeah. I remember one time at university, we were doing a practice drill. And I remember I hit this guy and I got him pretty good. And I remember I tried to get up. And for some reason, my left arm, funnily enough, just wasn't working. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is weird. And it was, you know, it started shaking and stuff. And then after about five minutes, it came, it felt back to normal. And um, my coach was like, oh, yeah, you just got a stinger. And my left yeah. arm agony for like two days. And it was fine after that. Um, but... I, I, <laughs> But I do, I do think from from time to time, you know, you know, we we both like to put in the big hits, and there's so much contact. I mean, I don't know if you've seen offensive linemen in American football; they are absolute yeah. giants, man. Yeah, and and hitting one of them at ninety or kilograms is is, is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I I do think you know think about sort of my long term health, and you know. From time to time, I think more about what about my family and what what will I be like because I don't know if you've seen the film Concussion. Um, That's quite a big film, and you know, a lot of NFL guys didn't want to talk about it. It was essentially a film where is that Will Smith? It was, yeah, it was Will Smith. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen it or not. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. What, what did you think of it? I think it's good. I, I um, obviously in um, American football that there's a massive impact like the the force of those impacts has got to be you know insane and even yeah. higher than rugby i think because it moves a bit quicker mm. um so i think you've got to look you've got to take that quite seriously and i'm i'm quite happy to see um they've, they've brought in some new laws and have they not around um yeah, yeah. So they've brought in a load, a load of different things. There's something called a targeting rule now. So if a player's in the air and you go to hit him, you can't make a head-to-head contact. If someone's running with the ball, um, you can't make head-to-head contact. Obviously, yeah. sometimes it's difficult because of the angle of people running as stuff happens so fast, so you kind of can't help it. But they're basically just trying to do their best to sort of limit uh, the amount of guys that get um, CTE. Uh, but to be honest with you, it's... I think it's one of those things as as a contact athlete. I think we just we just understand that there's a chance that it, it could happen, you know. And yeah, it, it's 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 something we love and it's it's a double edged sword. But I think I don't know how how do you feel about it, sort of uh, long term? Yeah, I do. I do think it is. There's always going to be a a high level of risk mm-hmm. the way we play the game, especially. Um, but yeah, you've got to take it seriously. Um, what people don't see from the outside is that guys that have even gone before you and I in, in both sports and had a few head knocks and and really put their, their health at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, once they leave the game, they kind of get spat out, don't they? They, yeah. they kind of get, get left to deal with things on their own. So yeah. um, I think now I do appreciate that both sports have introduced new laws to protect the players a bit more and mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes it it doesn't work in my favour, the laws, but it's a it's a small price to pay for for someone's health down the line. Yeah, exactly. I'm a big believer in that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if if it means that you know, I have to think about the way I tackle someone so they don't end up like blind in like ten years, and I think nothing is fine, you know. But 
yeah, yeah. It, it, I think it, it, it's it's tough. It's tough, especially. I mean, I, I'm seeing a lot of sports, like even like soccer, like football, where they're worried about heading the ball because that can cause CTE. Um, and like even even cricket, when they're when they're bowling at pace and the ball hits a batsman's head, that can you know contribute to CTE. So I think there's yeah, a, lot, a lot of sports where where they're sort of revising the rules and looking at how they can take certain aspects out of the game. Yeah, uh, I think they've got to because there is a high level of risk there. Mm. I've I realised that we've, we've been speaking about all the, the, the horrible stuff of playing. What is the best part of, about rugby? You spoke about contacts. What's the best part about rugby for you? Best part about rugby? Yeah, I, besides the, the, the contact aspect, you know, the collision side of things, um, uh, there's something about when you when you finish a game and you've had a it's been a really close game and you've you've just really worked hard to get the win. Yeah. And then you go into the change rooms with the boys and you open a beer and you just you kinda of reflect and you, you have a bit of a moment with the boys. Yeah. I know that that for me that's that's something you can't beat. And that's something I know when I retire or when I finish playing, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss those moments. Yeah, that's that's something yeah. that every every uh, former athlete I've spoken to, people that have played for a long time, always say that they miss their teammates the most. That's that's the one. Yeah. They miss their teammates. They miss they miss their teammates, and they miss uh, journeys to away games because those are hilarious as well. Definitely, I miss the away games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah. Um, so just just to wrap up, um, the, there might be a few young athletes, rugby athletes, or, or any athletes uh, listening to this uh, this podcast. What would you say is the biggest mistake that you made as a young athlete or that you see other young athletes making? Yeah, that's a good question. The one thing I regret as when I was a bit younger is I started playing with um, guys that were older than me, guys that had, I'd seen playing on TV and they had reputations and big names. Um, and I always, I always put them on a pedestal above myself. You know, when playing against them, I kind of... Mm-hmm. Without, I kind of gave them too much respect, you know. I or I didn't back myself enough. So yeah. my my thing, my one bit of advice would be if if you find yourself in a situation where you're sharing a field with some guys who are well-known players or bigger guys, um, just remember that you're you're on that field for a reason as well. Um, they're no better than you. Um, and, and back yourself because I feel like I, I kind of missed a few opportunities just by not backing myself enough in those situations. That's it, mate. I think one thing that someone once told me was um, when, you, when you're in competition, uh, wherever you are, you're meant to be there. So if you're, if you're competing against guys who've played and are all-stars and you know, best, in the, best in the league, what have you, and, and you're on the same field as them, you're meant to be there. Um, so take that as take that as, as, as what you will, and, and hopefully go on to dominate, man. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, man, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. You know, I've I've, I've loved every second of it. Um, you've been yeah, brilliant. Um, you know, the thing that I want to take from this, and something that I, I want to kind of try and implement to my game is, I can't. I actually want to want to look into sort of more like wrestling and sort of. Brazilian jiu-jitsu and also uh I might actually try and match how how much you watch game film 10 to 12 times well, that's gonna be difficult <laughs> but um uh just just going through the good things and the bad things I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll try and 
make some notes about what I did wrong, what I what I could do better, and and things that went right as well, and maybe work on you know speaking to my teammates about stuff they did wrong, and you know stuff that you do that that has helped you be successful. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you, man. Um, well, you know, guys, you can find Antonio here on on Instagram. Here is is Twon. That's T W O N O thirteen uh, on Instagram.